0: welcome back ladies and gentlemen to another edition of gbb live yes this is parker fleming joe bolinax will not be on the show because his football season started and with a shortened season he's playing two games a week so he let me run the reins here. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Live, and you can find every episode of, of Live, the Core 4 podcast, the 3&D podcast, and the Starty5 podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me today is a columnist from the Commercial Appeal, and he is the host of the Gianotto and Jeffrey Show every weekday from 2 to 4 on 92.9 ESPN. This is Mark Gianotto. Mark, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, not bad, Parker. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely, and obviously the Get right down to it. Justice Winslow is back. We we can stop, you know, dreaming of what he can be and just kind of taking bits and pieces from his healthy days in Miami to envision him next to John Morant and eventually Jaron Jackson Jr. So, obviously, he's rusty. There's no way around that. He's probably shooting about like a little under 25% from the field. Uh, the three-point shot looking like a, a rainbow with not a lot of legs. But, I mean, what do you expect from a guy that just returned to basketball after 400 days missing? What did you make out of his two games thus far? And is there anything positive that's caught your eye so far about his game? Um,
1: Positive, I guess, would be he doesn't look like he has a hitch in his step like Chandler Parsons did when he – first came back from a significant injury uh, as a significant acquisition. So I guess that's good. Um, Yeah. Otherwise his first two games have been, and, you know, defensively, again, he looks like he's, you know, moving around. Okay. Um, Whether it's, you know, guarding people or um, little flashes, little bursts. Um, It looks like he's healthy. He's just, like you said, he's obviously rusty um and has not shot the ball well um and frankly his shot looks all out of whack uh I don't know if you know I've watched him a a little I watched him more as a college player than as a professional to be perfectly honest but I have seen him as a pro I can't imagine when he shot 38 percent his stroke looked like it did the first couple games so that's something to to keep an eye on and and like you mentioned it might be because of his legs it might be because he's been out for so long but Hopefully, as these as each game progresses, he starts to progress. Um, but the first two were, you know, to, you know, pretty ugly to be quite
0: honest. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's been a little ugly. I would say the real silver linings of his play thus far is just how he's defended guys like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic Because on the next great Grizzlies team, it's not going to be Dylan Brooks taking on that responsibility as he has the past year and a half. You're looking at that being Justice Winslow. With that, one of the questions on our Grizzly Bear Blues roundtable today—shout out to the writers that contributed—on was what is the best use of Justice Winslow? And right now, we're seeing him off the bench. And you know, the first game's kind of a scratch. He's playing next to John Conchar, Sean McDermott, and Gorgie Dang. What is the best use of Justice Winslow to you, Mark? Is it his role off the bench, or is it what many envisioned him being as the starting three of the future?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting dilemma, and that's what these next 15 games I'm going to be paying attention to, because one thing I think that, I, that feels like got highlighted a little bit in these first two games, and you don't want to draw too many conclusions off of it, but I think we all envisioned that wing, that ideal wing alongside John Jared, because of the opportunities that John Morant creates as like a drive and kick point guard, uh, you want a you want that that wing, I would think, to be a good three point shooter. And when you look at Justice Winslow's numbers, he's had a year or two where he has been a capable three point shooter. But to me, I think I, – I'm not, I'm not worried that Justice Winslow is going to be able to get back at some point to the level – somewhere near the level he was playing before he got injured when he was in Miami. I do wonder if he's the third guy, if you will. Like, he feels more like a fourth or fifth guy in your – if we're talking about pecking order – on, as you put it, the next great Grizzlies team. And so that would be my one concern here even early on, is that – and maybe, you know, if you ask the Grizzlies front office, they would say they never envisioned Justice Winslow as the number three guy on a great Grizzlies team. We just kind of – some people kind of just ran with that when they traded for him. But I I do worry – I think he needs to be more of an offensive threat um, for him to really be that guy on the wing. Like, it's great that he's a def- great defensive player. And, you know, you need that in a lineup featuring John Morant, it appears, because John's ja going to be more in the Stephen Curry ilk where, you know, he is this fantastic offensive player that, frankly, you'd rather him focus his energy on that side of the ball. And you you come up with ways to – whether through personnel or through scheme, hide him on defense. And Justice is the type of player in a in a hypothetical lineup with Ja gives you flexibility like that because of the different positions he can defend. So um, it's kind of twofold. It's like it feels like I, I, I'm convinced Justice Winslow is a good NBA player uh, and a guy who can be on a you know be an important piece on a great team. But is he like the missing piece? that we all think they're sort of missing still to go alongside John Jaron long-term, uh, I have my doubts about that.
0: Right, yeah, I would agree. And I, and I know a lot of our writers agreed with that sentiment on our roundtable. It's, you know, he could be a piece, but that third guy's probably not on the roster. It's probably not Justice Winslow. And there are a lot of concerns that you just alluded to, especially with his offensive shot or offensive fit next to Jaw because we don't know how his jumper is going to progress. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be like this, but will it ever be that 38% that he shot in his healthy years of Miami? I'm not too sure. But I really do like how you use the Stephen Curry comparison just of how Jaws is going to be like an offensive hub that probably should focus more of his energy there. Because feel free to agree or disagree with me here, but it's crazy to say that, the Grizzlies brought in Justice Winslow not to be the third guy, but to be the Grizzlies' version of the guy they traded him for, and that's Andre Iguodala.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad comparison. Um, a guy who hopefully, you know, maybe isn't a, a great three-point shooter, but a timely three-point shooter, a guy who can create some off the dribble, and a guy who gives you a lot of flexibility defensively, can guard, you know, anyone – you know, you, you – Hypothetically, when you envision Luka Doncic, he can cover, or excuse me, Luka Doncic, Justice Winslow. Hypothetically, you'd think, you know, we mentioned already you put him on Devin Booker and Luka Doncic, but he also could cover someone like LeBron in a playoff series. Or, um, and, you know, obviously no one stops LeBron, but he's the type of guy who maybe can slow down LeBron, kind of like Andre Iguodala has done in some of these NBA finals. He's never really stopped LeBron but he's at least provided some resistance. Uh, And so, yeah, you know, and they haven't really had that type of guy. I know Dylan is sort of like that, but like, since Jay Crowder was traded, that's sort of what Jay Crowder was, you know, you'd hope, you'd hope uh, Justice Winslow is obviously a higher ceiling version of Jay Crowder, but that's sort of what Jay Crowder was. He can guard, you know, LeBron James, but he could also guard some smaller guys too, and gave you a lot of flexibility from a defensive matchup
0: standpoint. Absolutely. And you know, Justice Winslow isn't the only part of the Grizzlies right now that people are kind of I guess concerned. I think it's just kind of more outrage and just uh instant gratification of everything, but you know, these past two games have just, you know, really brought out the really concerned part of Grizzlies Twitter whether it's the front office sabotaging with how they rested in that uh, Phoenix game, or how just the offense looked out of sync against Dallas. And then you also have people questioning Coach Jenkins' rotation decisions when, at the beginning of the season, he, he was adamant about going 10 guys. And that even means if Sean McDermott's the 10th guy on any given night, he's going to continue to do that. And it's fair. It's what Coach Cl- or King Kleinman has said is um, a data accumulation season. And so you're one person I saw on Twitter that kind of just, you know, a voice of reason, kind of just like calm everyone down. And you also offer a different perspective that you're not originally from Memphis, you know, you never had Mm -hmm. that fan ties to any of it, like how I might have or how your producer Connor Dunning might have or other people around Grizzlies Twitter, I guess. So is there really much to be concerned about? Do you think we just kind of inflated our expectations a little bit because of how the team has performed thus far?
1: Well, I think in a micro sense, I, yeah, you should be concerned because they haven't played well the past two games. And, you know, one of, I think, the one of the underlying reasons why they've been an, over, an overachieving team under Taylor Jenkins is they have very rarely had two clunkers in a row like this. And so whether they beat the Clippers or not, you do want to see them play better. You know, like the Clippers are obviously, if the Clippers are playing are clicking, they're one of the best teams in the league and it's going to be tough to beat them, even if you're playing well. But you'd like to at least see the Grizzlies play better um, after, you know, playing poorly the last couple games. Um, and even the Detroit game that they won, that was a game where, You know, they didn't play great. They just – they played well when they needed to to win the game. But my whole point was just, yeah, like I mean, honestly, they're hitting a rough patch of the schedule um, where to close out this first half of the season, you know, they might not be favored in more than maybe one game, the Washington game here of the next five. Uh, And I'm just not going to get into a uh, tizzy over – Uh, The fact that they lost two games that they were supposed to lose ultimately, Um, you know, yes, there were some weird circumstances, especially in the Phoenix game where you're resting guys. But, you know, I think people are um, like Taylor Jenkins is a Greg Popovich disciple. This strategy of like, just basically picking some games on the schedule based on rest and analytics and whatever, where like, you know what, we don't have a good shot of winning this even when we're at full strength. Let's rest, guys, so we have a better shot at winning some other games in the future, in the near future. Like, that's a strategy Popovich pioneered, and it's a strategy I think you need to get used to uh, for the rest of the season with how compact the season is going to be the rest of the way. Um, so, I just, uh, you know, that all that stuff on, you know, I, I do think we have a tendency to overinflate What's going on on Twitter? Um, You know, I think most Grizzlies fans in my mind, and maybe I'm off here, but most Grizzlies fans just were thinking, you know what, like they played two bad games and I want to see them play better. They're not thinking the front office is sabotaging us. Um, I think when you, you know, you may disagree with the strategy of, you know, selectively picking games where, you know what, we're not going to, we're not going to play everyone because we'd rather, uh, have them more rested for other games. But it's a strategy that, frankly, isn't like, you know, cutting edge or something that no one else in the league is doing. What they're doing is pretty common. And mm-hmm. uh, it feels – I just don't think it's an unreasonable thing to do. Uh, they just – you know, I think these last two games they were exhausted. And I do think if you want to be concerned, it's being concerned about the fact that the type of – Uh, volume of games they've had lately, that's what the rest of the year is going to be like uh, because the second half schedule that was just released is brutal uh, in terms of you're playing 40 games and I think 68 days. So um, I would just say get used to it. And rather than panic, it's just about, you know, I think it's, you know, this is going to be a really, really tough slog just based on the circumstances of the calendar.
0: Right, for sure. And I I agree. It's not this uncommon practice that we see in the NBA. We're probably going to see it on Thursday or Friday with the Los Angeles Clippers. They're probably going to rest one of or both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in one of those two games. And
1: My guess is they'll alternate them. Like one will sit one game and the other will sit the other game. It's what Houston did it when they came here for a back-to-back like that game where Houston played here, John Wall played and Victor Oladipo sat. Well, the night before Oladipo played and John Wall sat. So, and mm-hmm. I expect that's something the Clippers will do. Something similar,
0: right? And you allude to the brutal second half of the schedule, where they play forty games in a little under seventy days. But that doesn't even include. You know, there's a seven-game home stand or road trip. That is the longest ever during the Memphis era of the franchise per the the PR release that I have up here. And, you know, there's a lot of tough opponents there. You have a few games against Denver. You have Dallas again. You have two games, two or three games against Golden State. I mean, New Orleans, they're always a tough matchup. And They they
1: closed the year, Parker, with eight games in 11 days.
0: It's brutal. It
1: is. It is, as I I think we said it on our show, it is as probably as daunting a schedule as any NBA team, just in terms, not necessarily the quality of the opponents, but in terms of having to play so many games in so few days. Probably the most daunting schedule an NBA team has faced, I would guess, since that, like, 99 lockout year when they started in January and played, like, 50-some-odd games in three months or something Mm -hmm. absurd like that. Like, this is – I mean, they don't have more than one day off between games the rest of the year uh, once they get back from the All-Star break. Uh, And they have 11 back-to-backs. And, uh, like you mentioned, a seven-game road trip. And, you know, that road trip is seven games in ten days, that road trip. (laughs) Like, it's not just on the road. It's on the road and they're one after the other after the other after the other, it feels like. And – I'll be honest. It just they've they've to this point to this moment in time overachieved uh, uh, in terms of what they were what you expected them maybe to do given all of the injuries. They I think are going to have to overachieve big time even with Jaron coming back to overcome this schedule and and kind of you know like I think it's going to be you know you look at this schedule and I just think it's going to be very hard. to be one of the top 10 teams, not because they're not good enough to do it, but if, if the past couple weeks were any indication, it's just by the end of the year, man, they're going to be exhausted.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And we didn't even mention the quality of opponents in that seven-game road trip. You have Chicago, Milwaukee, Denver twice, Portland twice, and then the Clippers. So that's going to be brutal. And they're also going to have – 17 games in April which that and also too with the limited rest they have it's I don't know how to gauge expectations with yeah. a schedule like that or anything do you have any sort of expectations for the second half of the season I mean I think you what
1: you can what you what you're holding out hope for is that you know you get down to that final stretch and you're in the mix for the playing for one of those playing spots I think that's that's what you hope for if you're a fan right now. Like hopefully Jaron comes back that provides you a boost. But again, like with the way the schedule set up, like, honestly, they're going to probably, they're going to have this all-star break. They got six days off. Hopefully they, you know, they'll probably rest up, get three, four days off, then have a couple practices. And frankly, they might not have another real practice the rest of the year. I I really like, like you're not going to, you're going to need to get as give these guys as much time off as possible. Like you're gonna have walkthroughs that shoot arounds and that's about it, I would think. And so that makes it a little more complicated, frankly. Working in Justice Winslow, working in Jaron Jackson Jr., um, you're gonna to have to do it in these games. A lot like you're sort of trying to do it right now with Justice Winslow, where you know you set it up so that his first game was a game where he could just take a bunch of shots and it didn't really matter that much. Um, and so a lot of different extenuating circumstances that wouldn't exist in a normal NBA season that are going to affect the Grizzlies here. Um, And hopefully, you know, I think it's about honestly just staying afloat and give yourself a chance. Those last 10 games to kind of play your way in to the play and stuff. I think that's, that's sort of how you have to look at it. If you're the Grizzlies, I, I don't know, maybe you think differently.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of think, Everything's kind of a win a win-win, I guess, because on one hand, you know, if they make the playoffs, they get through this stretch, then you're getting valuable playoff minutes for guys like John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And even it's gonna be important for guys like Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, guys who could step in alongside Jar or Jaron down the road. But also on the other hand, too, I don't think they'll ever get down to where they were in like the 17-18 or even the 18-19 season in the lottery odds. But that's just another chance to add a lottery talent next to John Jaron when, you know, at the beginning of the show, we said the third guy's not on this roster yet. They have That's probably their best shot they have, unless they make some sort of blockbuster deal that uh, a lot of us dream of. But I kind of just think – that I don't want to really gauge expectations when really it's year 2 of the rebuild and they're already kind of ahead of schedule because at the beginning of last season we all thought that Boston would have the pick in 2021 or that it was a really really strong possibility but that that's just wrong yeah I'm at I right do now. I,
1: I do think it's important though I I don't want to see them crater and be playing meaningless basketball down the stretch. And right. I think that would, one, it would be a bad sign if you have, it would be a bad sign for the Jaw Jaron justice trio, if you will, if they just kind of crater once they get everyone back and they're, you know, just get, you know, basically in the lottery and not like, it's one thing to be in the lottery and it's like the last, you know, last four or five games of the season, you fall out of the race. It's another thing if they like you know Jaron comes back and it really looks bad and they crater in the last 20 games of the year meaningless. Yeah. Um, so that that's how I would look at it. Um, I know like people talk about the pick, but I do think it's also important to you, you know, it's important to continue. You know, it's important for for Ja Jaron and Justice to have some success together too, um, mm-hmm. because I suspect. Unless unless Justice plays like he's just played the first two games, if he plays like this for the next forty games, maybe they don't pick up his player option for next year, but our team op, pick up the team option on his contract. But my guess is, as long as he shows glimpses of being what they think he might be, they're gonna get they're gonna run this back next year with Justice Winslow. They're gonna pick up that team option, and so um, you want to make sure you know. I mean, this is about figuring out if they can have success together and, you know, it obviously would be better if they, if it works than if it doesn't. So um, I guess that's how I look at it. You're right. There is no horrible outcome in all of this. You know, ultimately the worst case is you're in the lottery and you get a chance to, to add another, you know, significant piece to the, to the puzzle. Uh, But, you know, I, I'm the type of person, I'm the type of fan, if you will, that, you know, I don't want to, I like trying to win as many games as possible. Um, I I like the way they're doing it. I like the Mm -hmm. way how they are a competitive team, but they are making sure that their eyes are always on the future. I I like the way they're doing it right now. I think they're taking the right approach.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I I can never say enough of how, how much I like what the Grizzlies are doing, especially with just staying competitive, but also have an eye on the future, whether it's, something as small as just playing Xavier Tillman over Gorgie Dang, who is kind of an, a veteran that's more of a trade asset. And then Xavier Tillman's a guy that could eventually be a good role player. But I also do think with the whole cratering thing, I think the play-in really helps because you could be five or six games out of eight, but you could be a game out of 10, and you still get a chance to play for that eight seed in a sense. I, the play-in situation still really weird and foreign to me. I don't really know a whole lot of how it works, but it should be fun. But Mark will we'll get you out on this because I know a lot of people are really antsy and eager for this player to return. And that's Jaron Jackson Jr. And I had actually caught up with uh the SB Nations uh Dallas Mavericks blog before the game the other night just asking about Chris tops because they had the same injury and different timelines. And for him it's it's awful with Dallas, uh, with Dallas and Porzingis because he wants to trade him for whatever they can get. He's been a shelf himself defensively and it's kind of led to their defense cratering. And as we saw the past two nights for Dallas, they look better without Kristaps Porzingis right now. And it leads me to ask this to close the show. Are you totally fine with the timeline that they're on with Jaron Jackson Jr. right now for both injury prevention, but also just easing him back into playing to you know, prevent a, a situation like we're seeing with Dallas for forcing us.
1: Well, it feels like, I mean, right around now, if you look at the timeline for the repair of a meniscus, they say it can take up to six months. Well, we're right at six months. And, you know, I suspect, I suspect they'll probably wait till the, tr- till after the All-Star break, but I suspect soon after the All-Star break, we will see Jaron Jackson Jr. And, That's sort of what I – I thought maybe he'd come back around now and you'd have him play some games before the All-Star break. Um, But I also thought Justice was going to be back earlier than he ended up being back. Um, So I think think you probably don't want to bring Jaron back right now because you're already trying to work Justice into the rotation. So hopefully over these next four or five games before the All-Star break, You figure out exactly what you want to do with justice. Justice figures out how he fits in. And then you add this new piece of Jaron Jackson Jr. to the puzzle, a piece that is a lot easier, hopefully. You know what he does with these players. He's done it. He did it all last year. Um, So I'm not – I would not say I'm concerned. Again, if we're talking this micro-macro, in a micro sense, I am not concerned that Jaron Jackson Jr. is not back yet. I expect he'll be back soon in a macro sense. I do think it bears watching how he comes back from this knee injury because he hasn't finished a season yet. He, he's he been injured both seasons. He's played in the NBA. He will have missed a, a you know, pretty decent chunk of, of games in all three seasons he's played, no matter how this works out the rest of the way this year. So In a macro sense, I am paying attention Aaron, from here on out, stay healthy consistently. Is this the last of his health issues that we have for a while so that he can blossom like he looked like he was about to sort of blossom
0: before this latest knee injury? Right, for sure. And that's all for today's show. Mark, do you have any final comments before we close the show?
1: No, just get ready. It's gonna, it's gonna be rough on the players this second half. It seems to be rough on fans too. It's a, it's a lot of nights watching the Grizzlies. Hopefully, get that, get the honey do list done now, or, or you know, get get it done now so that you have plenty of time uh, every night to watch the Grizzlies because it's pretty, it's gonna be fast and furious.
0: Oh, it's gonna be crazy, and you know, it's just it's a lot more time of everyone on Grizzlies Twitter just interacting with each other and. You know, coming up with hasty takes after one game, but thank you, Mark yeah, exactly. for thank you, Mark for coming on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at mgianato. He has the coolest profile picture on Grizzlies Twitter, to be honest, because he's interviewing a legend, Triple H. And you can listen to the Gianato and Jeffrey Show every weekday from two to four p.m. Central Time, and make sure you're reading his work and subscribing to the Commercial Appeal. You can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flaca. Make sure you are reading the blog at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter at Live, And make sure you're liking, subscribing, and downloading to the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network so you don't miss a single episode of any of our four shows. And with that, that's it. <laughs>